to Seeing Beyond Risk, a podcast series from the Canadian Institute of Actuaries. I'm Chris Fivoli, Staff Actuary, Communications and Public Affairs at the CIA. Today, we will be speaking with CIA member Riley Dirks, who joined us as an associate in 2019. Riley is a recent graduate of the University of Manitoba and a recipient of the Asper School of Business Gold Medal. Most notably, Riley was able to complete all of his actuarial exams while at university and earned his FSA designation. So, Riley, thank you for joining us today. Chris, thank you for the warm welcome. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Fantastic. So let's start off. Uh, let's go back a bit in time. Just curious, what attracted you to actuarial science and uh, how did you first hear about the profession? Okay. Well, how did I first hear about the profession? I think we're going way back in time. It was actually at a parent-teacher conference with my math teacher way back in eighth grade. I think in passing, he made a little comment saying that I'd be an actuary one day. And I completely tossed it under the rug, didn't think about it again at all until maybe grade 11 or so. And I'm sure many students listening here will empathize with this. This was when Forbes had just released the list when with that listed actuaries as like the number one career. It seemed awesome. It had a work-life balance. There was a center of actuarial excellence right there in my city. And actually in grade 11, what really attracted me to it, the University of Manitoba student group, the actuarial club, came to my high school and gave a presentation and basically let me know everything I needed to know about becoming an actuary. And my other interest at that time was sort of considering going to business school. So it just made so much sense. We had a business school that had an actuarial program. That's how I got started on the actuarial path. And from there, once I got to university, it was just talking to so many people in that student group that really got me motivated. Yeah, that's great. So let's talk a bit about your time at University of Manitoba. I want to understand a bit about what you were involved in over and above your academic pursuit. Instead of just doing your classwork, I assume you got involved in some other activities. Can you tell us about those a little? Yep. So I think I had this standard start to university where my first year I was pretty focused on classes and honestly pretty nervous about getting involved. I'm sure many students can relate. And it was in my second year where an opportunity opened up to join the Munich Re Cup, which is an actuarial case competition. And at this point, going into my second year, I had finally learned what the exams were, learned that I'd be writing a lot of exams if I ever wanted to become an actuary. And so this was sort of my first taste doing this case competition, my first taste of what actuarial work might actually look like. And I felt so lucky because I enjoyed it. And I was kind of nervous. If I didn't enjoy it, then I'd have to restart. All the exams would be for nothing. But I got involved, did the Munich Re Cup, and I think it sparked something in me because that's when I really started to get involved in other things. I still had that interest in business, so I got a role as the manager of corporate relations for Shinerama. It's this awesome Cystic Fibrosis Canada fundraiser, and it taught me a lot about what goes on behind the scenes for a business, about where their cash flows are actually coming from and going to. And it was also around this time that I think I listened to a few too many podcasts and developed a bit of a taste for behavioral finance. So I actually switched to a finance major and joined a case competition called JDC West. It's Western Canada's biggest case competition, and it really taught me how to present. We did so many practices. Finance is really closely related in many ways to actuarial, so it felt good to be involved in that alongside working toward becoming an actuary. 
Yeah, it's great. I know those case competitions are just a fantastic experience and I recommend them to uh, actuarial students. It's a great way not just to learn how to do a presentation, but uh, you know, work within a group dynamic and work under a very, very tight timeline. So I think those competitions are just a, a great experience. Okay, so let's get to the question that I'm sure a lot of people are wondering about. You were able to complete all of your actuarial exams while you were still at university. How did you pull it off? What was your secret? Okay, well, the secret, you know, maybe it's not so secret. First of all, I'd be crazy if I didn't say thank you to so many people. I mean, I, I was surrounded by enablers, even just in my first year at university, when I was still, like I, like I said just a few minutes ago, still just figuring out about the exams. I had some students who laid out the path for me and said, here's what you need to do. Here's the classes you're going to take. Here's the exams they're going to help you with. My parents were so supportive. I had employers and managers who were always so supportive, both uh, in words and also employers working internships financially. It was so, so useful. But when it comes down to my actual strategy for writing the exams, I think there were sort of two things that I really took to heart and followed through and through from the start to finish of the exams. And the first one, honestly, this is kind of embarrassing. I think maybe like five years ago, I saw a motivational poster, one of those really, really cheesy motivational posters. And it said like discipline over motivation. And you know, I played football for 11 years. And the one thing I always thought on the field is, okay, I might not be the most athletic guy, but I can always be the most disciplined guy on the field. So this stupid, cheesy motivational quote really stuck with me. And I, I took it to heart. So discipline over motivation. What I realized is, you know what? I'm not always going to want to study. I'm not always going to want to put in the hours. I'm not always going to want to put into the work. But I realized that if I could just set aside a bit of time every day and really make sure that I focus on just getting a little bit done every single day, plugging away at it, that I could make some serious progress. So I made sure that I would schedule a bit of time, not necessarily every day, but at least four or five days a week, I would schedule at least a couple hours and make sure that I could stay 100% focused during that time. It took a while to get into it. It took a while to really get the hang of it. At first, you know, I'd schedule stuff at night and then realize, wait, night is the time when a lot of fun stuff happens. So it's not always the easiest. But once I got into the rhythm, I could stay really disciplined. And that consistency is what helped me out so much. I guess the second thing, though, uh, in addition to the whole discipline over motivation idea. It was also in my second year that I started reading quite a bit more. And one book, super basic, I'm sure so many people have loved this book, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. It introduced me to the idea of deliberate practice, about constantly focusing on getting better at what you're doing, not just mindlessly walking through the motions. So I really took that to heart with my study strategy. I mean, the easiest example is when I did a practice problem, if I got it wrong, I would hate getting questions wrong because I know it, I knew it meant I'd spend so long revising and figuring out what I had to do to get it right next time. So definitely my practice exams, I'm sure every student who studied for an exam knows the feeling when you finish them and you just know it's going to take forever before you can even start the next one going through revisions. A big help in this whole deliberate practice idea for me, my best friend, Dan, he's like a strategic studier. He's always had this mindset of, OK, you can study differently for every class based on the prof, based on the content that you need to get through. And I really think that that helped me out. I wouldn't always necessarily going into an exam have the best study strategy, but I would definitely adapt over time to try to figure out, OK, what works best for me right now? 
And honestly, discipline over motivation, deliberate practice. The other thing, a lot of luck. It, it does take some luck, I think, to get through the exams. I mean, I could have woken up any day, had a bad day, and absolutely bombed an exam. I could have had a calculator that went awry. Anything could have gone wrong. So I do recognize that luck played a big role as well. Okay, good stuff. Well, obviously, it worked for you, and you had a lot of luck along the way, so that's great. Okay, so uh, it's interesting you mentioned the Munich Re Cup as one of the uh, things you got involved with, because now you are with Munich Re, so maybe you can tell us about your current role with the company. And I, I'm very curious to know, what was it like starting out into the workforce in 2020, in the middle of a pandemic, when nobody was physically in an office? What was that experience like? Great, great question. It is definitely different. I'm sure it's, uh, it'll be interesting to talk about. My role right now, I'm on the individual reinsurance solutions team here at Munich Re. I'm an associate actuary. So really, my job is to help our clients manage their risks, whether that means generating new business or giving them some sort of insight about the business they already have. Lots of the work is in Axis. It's in Excel. It's in PowerPoints. A lot of uh, traditional actuarial software, I think. In terms of starting a full-time position during a pandemic, I'll say my big mistake, my big mistake at the start, my ergonomics were not great. My first two weeks working from home, I had a chair that wasn't quite up to par and lumbar supports. It was the, the greatest change I made to my life in my first couple weeks. And, you know, while I was starting, people at Munich Re, the full-time employees who had already been there for a longer time, to some extent, they were still adjusting too to what life would look like uh, everything work from home, everything online. And I think students that are listening to this right now can probably empathize with that to some extent, just like how Zoom classes completely turned everything on their head. It took a little while to adjust uh, working during the pandemic. So now I am feeling much more adjusted. It definitely helps that at Me and Agree, we have, uh, for example, like Wellness Wednesdays, we have the occasional drink ups, there's been a lot of opportunities to make it feel like we're not so isolated working from home. And I think for students, it might be interesting to hear a comparison to internships, what it's like starting that full-time position. It's definitely a lot more responsibility than I had while I interned. But I had interned actually on this team that I'm working full-time right now. I had interned on this team before. So I sort of see it from the two different levels. A lot more responsibility, but I think having a lot of responsibility, especially at the start of your career, is a great thing. It gives you the chance to learn, and I've definitely made a lot of mistakes, and I've learned a lot from those mistakes so far. Yeah, that's great. And I think it's a really true statement that uh, it's okay to make mistakes as long as you own up to it and learn from it. And we've all been through that. So that's fantastic. Okay. So one thing I'm kind of interested in, you're, you're a fairly new entrant to the actuarial profession. Uh, certainly the profession looks very different than it did when I entered a number of years ago. I'm just wondering, from your perspective, what areas would you like to see the actuarial profession expand into as you go through your career? What things would you like to see actuaries doing in the future that perhaps we're not doing now? Yeah, great question, Chris. I think it is crazy how far the profession has come, even just since I learned about it and started paying attention to it not too many years ago until now. So I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about the future. And especially here in Canada, I think talking about the actuarial profession expanding, we have, I believe it's eight centers of actuarial excellence here in Canada, which per capita is like a nuts number. That's a lot. So we have this great supply of actuaries coming in. 
And I think that's good because it means that companies have enough actuaries to cover a lot of traditional roles, and they have the opportunity, too, to think about uh, using some actuaries in more non-traditional roles. So I know it's exciting in terms of throwing some buzzwords here, like machine learning, big data. I know Elon Musk has been talking about starting an insurance company, hiring actuaries. There's a lot of cool things going on. So maybe it's the business student in me a little bit, but one thing that's really interesting to me, and I think it's an area where actuaries will have a big impact, they'll be very involved, is how distribution of insurance is changing over time. So for example, and the pandemic gives a perfect example right here. Since the pandemic started, it's been a lot harder for many companies to get, for example, blood tests or other fluid tests because they can't be doing things in person. So because of that, insurance companies have had to manage around that to some extent. They've had to figure out how they can continue to sell business without taking on unnecessary risks. And it's a perfect place for actuaries to get involved in the actual distribution of the product because they understand that, hey, you know, if we're not taking in fluids, if we don't have access to these fluid tests, there's possibilities for anti-selection. So they can control where should we be selling? How much should we be charging? Do we have to price a little bit higher to reflect that? And so I think that because actuaries have this understanding of how selling to a different population can really change your ability to manage those risks, because actuaries have that understanding, I think they are totally useful in developing a new distribution in a post-pandemic world. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because we actually do have a podcast episode where we go a bit deeper into that whole topic of how the whole underwriting and sales process has changed uh, because of the pandemic. So uh, I think the episode we're recording now is going to come out after that one. So if anybody's listening, I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode where we talk a, a lot more about how uh, COVID has affected the whole underwriting process. So to wrap up, I, I know we have a fair number of university students pursuing actuarial science that listen to this podcast. I think you were one of them yourself. What advice would you have for aspiring actuaries who would like to get through the exams quickly, perhaps not as quickly as you did, but would like to you know, get that part of their career behind them as efficiently as possible? Uh, what advice would you have for them? Oh, good question. So I, I think the first step, and maybe this is the first step in anything, but definitely in the exam process, I think the first step is to figure out what barriers do you have in front of you. And it's really tough to do this, I think, to be objective and to be honest about what barriers you face. So I, I'll think about this kind of from my perspective. I think I had three main barriers as I was going through the exams. The first one is financial. I think everyone has this barrier to some extent. The exams can get expensive, especially with the exchange rate where it is right now. Paying U.S. dollars, it hurts a little bit on these exams. And we have this great supply of study materials from so many different companies now, but they can get pretty expensive too. So I think the first barrier to consider is financially, how can you structure your path through these exams? Are you going to need to work while you go to school? Are you going to need to find an internship and hopefully get some sort of study support? What's your budget for actual study materials? I think it's a really important question to ask yourself before you get started. And to me, the next barrier is time. It's about scheduling around exams. I know going to school, it can be really tough. Sometimes the actuarial exams line up just a little bit too closely with your in-school exams. People will have busy times with their family, busy times of year for other reasons. And it's not just time doing stuff non-actuarial that you need to consider. It's also when you think about getting a job and assuming getting a full-time job is the goal, 
you also need to think about, okay, do I have time for school? Yeah, of course, that's important. But also, do I have time to maybe consider a couple extracurricular activities? Do I have time to get some work experience? I think it's important to think ahead at how you want to use your time over the next week, month, year. I think it's important to think about that. And then finally, the third barrier to me is stress. And I, I think I can speak from personal experience when I say getting through these exams, it's not easy. It can take a really significant toll. It can be very, very stressful getting through them. So even if you have the time, even if you have the money, you need to make sure that you're going to have the mental energy. And so for me, it means taking care of all of the little things, making sure I don't have to worry about the little things. If, if you ever saw me walking into a written answer exam, I'm one of the guys with like eight pens because just in case you never know one or two pens might die so i come totally over prepared no need to even think about it and for me stress is something that you should consider if you want to take a really aggressive path through the exams you might end up burning out and it really is more of a marathon than a sprint and i think the flip side of it is that you know as actuaries no matter when you went through the exams we all went through this hugely stressful experience. And I do think it's kind of beautiful in the same way it's fun to go watch live sports because everyone is focused together, everyone is cheering together. We have this shared, really stressful, this marathon experience. And I, I think it's cool that we get to share that and we can relate to one another because of that. Um, so with those three barriers out of the way, thinking about finances, time and stress, I think it's time to get started and figure out how you study best. I think everyone studies differently. So for me, I found that video lectures help me a lot and flashcards help me a lot. But some things like textbooks, formula sheets, they just weren't as useful for me personally. So I made sure that I tried a bunch of different study strategies and I just thought, okay, which ones do I like so that I can stay disciplined, so that I can stay on track and which ones are actually helping me learn? I think it's really important to take a variety of different strategies and find what works best. And then finally, I guess the third step would be to reevaluate. It's, it's really hard to pr predict, you know, even six months into the future for many students. It's really hard to predict what your schedule will look like, whether things will go according to plan. So I don't think it's necessarily easy to say, okay, here's my two-year plan. Here are the exams that I'm going to write. I'm going to try to write one every six months. It's hard, it's, it's hard to predict too far in advance. So it's an, important that you take the time to reevaluate every few months, I think, and figure out where you are and where you want to be going. Okay, good advice. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. And thanks a lot for taking the time to speak with us today. Yeah, Chris, thanks so much. I had a lot of fun. That's great. We now have over four dozen episodes in our podcast series, so we encourage everyone to subscribe to Seeing Beyond Risk. You can do so through Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to access podcast content. And we'd like to hear from you as well. So if you have any comments, suggestions, or episode ideas, uh, please send them to podcasts at cia-ica.ca. Until next time, I'm Chris Fiboli, and thank you for tuning in to Seeing Beyond Risk.